Uh, yeah, you see it. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Hanson Hour. We are on season one, episode six, and today we're so lucky to be joined by not only an industry expert, but one of the kindest and supportive people I've come across in the industry so far. And I generally mean that, Doug, because I've been reaching out to a lot of people <laughs> to come sure. on this pod, sure. and you have been so kind and so supportive and really stepped up um and i can't thank you enough for giving us your energy in this so thank you oh it's, it's my pleasure <laughs> um doug's a grammy nominated recording engineer who has worked for some huge artists including nine inch nails santana matchbox 20 jewel tracy chapman who i love joe cocker and of course hansen where he worked on the middle of nowhere album yeah. Oh, was it just Middle of Nowhere? Or... No, I, I worked on that album and then also the, um, I guess it was technically their third album, but yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. I love that. I was going to research that. <laughs> yes. Um, and he also played trumpet on Where's the Love, which <laughs> I love. Um, at the moment, Doug also owns and runs his own wine store, um, which I'm really looking forward to visit when I get over to Santa Barbara one day. Yes. It's called the Goodland Wine Shop. So if you're ever uh, over that way, um, I recommend that you go in and check yes. it out. Come on by. So thank you. Yeah, thank <laughs> you for being here. We are so excited. For sure. Uh, I'm excited to, to be here and, and talk about um, just a lovely group of people and um a wonderful album, you know. Yeah, I, it, it meant a lot of things to me. I mean, it was my the first album that where I worked with Stephen Laroni, and then I ended up working with him for you know twenty years. So um, he, he's a he's a lovely guy and um, really talented, and and the band was also very talented. Um, you know, it, it, a lot of people want to talk about the, um, you know, how how things were um, replaced, shall we say. Um, and uh, which is true, uh, but um, we did try the best that we could to get tracks from all of the um, uh, kids, and also, um, obviously, they sang all of the vocals, um, mm. and they wrote the songs, um, and that's something that people don't understand. They, they think it's like some sort of pieced together boy band, unquote, of like a bunch of dancers or something. Mm -hmm. um, and it's not that at all. It's much more similar to like the Jackson Five, um, yeah. where you know they wrote the songs, and um, you know they performed them, and you know as much as you know Zach wasn't able to play the drums well enough at age nine, like I would hire him to play a session today because he's he's an amazing drummer, um, yeah. you know. And um, you know I mean, I couldn't play all of the guitar parts, but he certainly played some of them, and. Um, you know, it, it, it's really about um, getting the right performance to support the vocals in the song, because really the song is really just a, a vehicle for the, for the vocals and the singing. And, um, you know, sometimes we had to replace that. Um, and it's just not about he couldn't, m you know, make the chord or play the part. It was more about the feel and the sound and, and all of those other um less significant things yeah i'm just and i told you before we started that i i, I 
try and stick to my notes, but I'm I'm already off. So <laughs> I've been talking with some people on the pod um, previously right. about how around this time when they were recording Middle of Nowhere, we weren't really seeing um, live concert as fans. We would they were doing a lot of what we like a lot of promo. So they sure. were turning up at shopping centers, or they were sort of doing small. Um, right. three to four songs um isaac would have an uh, acoustic guitar um and then they might have you know like a tambourine and right. now i'm sort of thinking about it would there maybe there was a possibility too that they were still lear learning to be able to do these big live performances oh, for sure. on their instruments yeah right. well i mean there's a big difference between you know someone that can like say play piano and someone that that's playing piano professionally and you're going to record them and <laughs> and that's something that your average person doesn't really understand uh, mm. but yeah. there's a difference <laughs> yeah. you know, like I, I was a decent trumpet player but i would never ever ever claim to be a trumpet player or try to play on someone's album i just played on that song because you know steven said hey we need this part just play it you know yeah, and, and it was easy and so i did it but um, it's also buried in the mix, and I'm glad. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I know, I, I would be too. <laughs> so I like to start with a couple of icebreakers, but we're already off on a bit of a roll. But have mm -hmm. you got a favorite handsome song? It doesn't have to be just off that album. So, you know, any anything. Well, there was a, you know, it's funny, I can't remember the name. I'm terrible with names of songs. Um, <laughs> but there was a there was a song on the, the second album that we recorded um, and it was just um, just Taylor playing the piano and singing okay. and uh, I really liked that song um, but as far as middle of nowhere I kind of liked um, weird yeah yeah it's a great song isn't yeah. it yeah. yeah we talked about that one on the pod um, yeah. that was a really good song yeah. And I think the thing with Handsome too is, and you know, you sort of touched on this a little bit earlier too, even though they were young, so many of the themes in their music still really hold to today. Um, sure. You know, they're real, they were quite deep. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> for their age, yeah. Well, I mean, you, um, know, they, you know, they showed up to the studio and of course their parents were there and, um, so, you know, we met everyone and we met, you know, uh, their dad and their mom and um, super supportive, super cool people um, who were into what they were doing. Like, you know, they decided to have this band and, you know, I mean, the, the father was playing bass in the band, you know. Right. Okay. So yeah. it was a very, you know, supportive situation, which, you know, I get behind um, because it was the same in my family, you know. I mean, my, my father was a electrical engineer for Hughes Aircraft, and he wanted me to be an engineer. And But my mom was a, a drama major, and I took to music very early on. And um, they were supportive of that, even though they didn't know what the heck I was doing. <laughs> so for, on that, so those of us that are a little bit novice on right. the recording side of things that maybe don't have that understanding of the industry, um, what, what is a recording engineer? Like, what was your role on the album? What do you, what do you well, the recording engineer on the album is, cause there's really only two people. 
there's the recording engineer, and then there's the producer. Um, uh, and the producer is, is, in this case, responsible for a lot because he, he's the guitar player who mostly played the guitar, you know, just like the, the um, trumpet thing, you know, like Stephen didn't know any trumpet players, and so I said, well, I play trumpet. And the next thing I knew, I was in the studio playing the part, you know. And I hired the guy that I went to high school with, Ron McCarley, to come and play sax, you know. I yeah, mean, I love that. That's you know, cool. yeah, so. Is this, so was that sax on um, Where's the Love as well? Yes, yeah, yeah. I'm, I, I'm, we're going to get to that, but I have to get you. I'm a huge sax fan. I can usually pick out a sax yes. in, in, a, in a song. False God. Taylor Swift is my favorite. <laughs> do, you, do you? I don't know if you're a Taylor Swift fan, but I live for a sax. I love it. Nice. nice. Um, so, just when I look over the album notes, and and we have been talking about how many people are sort of involved in this process. Sure. Yeah. So I'm really blown away by the level of talent that was brought in to work with the band and the album. Yeah. So including people like yourself. Right. songwriter session musicians and right. you have just said you know it is sort of a you you call who you know um but i get the feeling at the same time that people had an understanding that it was sort of worth working on it was going to be big um right. almost like the label went all in is that something well, you'd agree well with? i mean yeah for sure the label thought that it was going to be big they were very excited um that doesn't necessarily um, bleed over to individual musicians. Okay. Um, and look, I called, when we went to hire the drummer, I mean, I called tons of people, um, you know, including one, uh, don't want to badmouth someone, but I called the, um, the drummer that played on um, Michael Jackson, uh, tons of Michael Jackson songs. And, um, but we needed him on a Sunday. It was a Sunday that we needed the drums. And, and, uh, he said, well, I charge, you know, um, triple scale on Sundays. So you don't want to do that. And I said, well, I don't have a choice with the sessions on Sunday. So if you can make it, please come down. And he said, well, if you want, if you want the best drums, I guess he was referring to himself, um, You'll wait until Tuesday, <laughs> and, and 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 at that I just kind of went. Thank you very much. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't get for him, no. Oh my goodness. Yes. So yeah, I find that to um, even, and like it's embarrassing to even be referencing this because obviously it's not on the same level. But even as I've been um, reaching out to guests. For this pod you know I've gone through the list of people that were associated with the album in any which capacity um, and I still feel like it's that same thing some people are less enthused to talk about their time on the album or um, that the work that they did with it um, which I find really interesting because I think right. you know they're such incredible musicians and I feel like it's something that really be celebrated and I don't know if I was working on it I'd really want to I don't know you know I mean it's interesting that you say that I mean I I'm not sure how people 
who are just involved for one part. You know, I mean, like, mm -hmm. when you come in to play bass, you come in and you play bass on, like, two songs, and then it's like, you know, it took an hour, and we say thank you very much. Okay, um, yeah. So, I mean, yeah. you know, and they just don't care, and maybe they were, you know, not having a good day, or something yeah. else happened, or, you know, they're... Somebody, their girlfriend left them, who knows, but, you know, I mean, it's, you just don't know how everyone's day is going, and maybe yeah. they didn't think it was going to be, uh, I mean, nobody knew, actually, be, until it was released, mm. how big it was going to be, okay. I, mean, yeah. I mean, I did, <laughs> but, but hardly everyone else, but I played it for friends, uh, roommates, people that were living at my, at my house, and they were like, oh my god, this is amazing, I went, yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. And I still think it's amazing. I think it's one of those ones that really stood the test of time. Mm -hmm. um, there was one just on, because we're, we're talking about people, there was a, a person that I reached out to uh, that played, and I won't say his name, but he played um, <laughs> Scratching. Right? Oh, right. And he wanted me to pay him to, um, to come and <laughs> talk on the pod. He was like, oh, you know, I'll do it, but I, but I want you to pay me. I was like, no, it's like, there's just uh, such a broad range of, uh, of people. And it has, it's been interesting. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> interesting hearing back from people. Right. Um, so just coming back to, to those of us who are a little bit novice, um, I actually had no idea how long it took to make an album. So yeah. I mean, it was long. I mean, I think a lot of that have to do, well, two things. One is we had to send the kids to another studio to do the vocals. Yeah. Um, and because uh, we were working at Scream Studios and, and I sent them over to LAFX, which was just a studio that yeah. had an, a nice console and a, a room and good equipment, et cetera. Um, and because uh, Mark Hudson produced the vocals with the kids. Yeah, because we tried on a couple of songs and it just, it just wasn't working. Um, I'm not sure. It, there was a couple of strange incidents with um, uh, the kids being kids and um, uh, uh, f uh, flicking things at the microphone um, and, and stuff like that. You know, and the microphone, you know, cost ten thousand dollars, etc. And it, it was just a situation where, um, yeah, I don't think that we were really set up for it properly. And we were so, we needed to get the music to be so great. And to try to do the vocals, the vocals took forever on just those couple of songs that we recorded them. And so someone made the call of like, well, let's send them over to this other studio with Mark. And I think there was a little bit of, difference of opinion of how to record them um, between Mark Hudson and Stephen Laroni and so they just made that decision to for the sake of um, getting it done and getting it done well to separate the music from the vocals right okay because I did I've got here but it was I've got almost nine different studios. I know. So, well, some of those are the, the yeah. Dust Brothers studios. Right. And also, okay. they started early because they were working with them. So they, mm. they spent a lot of time working on those few songs. Um, yeah. And then that fell apart, and I don't know the reason why. 
but um, but the Dust Brothers did come by the studio and and we made a copy of their um, uh, two inch tapes, <laughs> um, and uh, and we basically erased every single thing on them. We on, the only thing we used was the the scratch. Oh my God! From the guy that wanted me to pay him. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. I think I don't know if it was that guy or if it was. Um, <laughs> Or if the dust, one of the dust brothers themselves put it in, yeah. but it was a yeah. copywritten thing as well. So I don't oh, know. Wow. Yeah. Oh my goodness. So that's quite interesting as someone that's like a huge fan to hear, uh, you know, and we, we love Stephen LaRoney and we're glad that he took over and, you know, um, oh, yeah. but how interesting to hear the, those original, not the originals, but you know, whatever the dust brothers did, Right. Um, what, do you feel like there was a massive point of difference between what was happening with them versus what came out? In Absolutely, terms of... one million percent. Oh, there's wow. there's no correlation between what they oh, did and what we did. Wow. They're just credited because of it's it's a it's a contractual thing. But they yeah. did nothing on any song on that album. Yeah, and. To be honest, I, you know, obviously I wasn't there, but, but the, in the research that I've done, it does really feel like they showed up um, and they weren't that interested. They wanted to go do their stuff with the Beastie Boys. Their hands right. weren't really cool enough for what they were going for and that they really sure. put in sort of minimum effort until then they just decided right. they just weren't going to do it anymore. That's, yeah. You know, this sort of yeah, I mean, I don't, like I said, I don't know the story. Um, mm. They were fine when they came to transfer the stuff, but it was kind of like, we'll just make a copy and we're going to get out of here. That, that was, we just met them the one day for a few hours and that was it. Mm. Um, yeah. So obviously it wasn't working out, working with them for whatever reason, and I don't know what that reason is. But Yeah, no, that's fair enough. So... If it was released in May, it was released in May of 97. Right. How many months back are we talking that, particularly in this case, being that they are children, do you think right. the it, the whole timeline took, like, from January or am I way off? <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. Oh. I mean, the, the label needs a lot of time to sort of set up the release. Um, okay. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know, I can't remember, but yeah. for sure it was, um, we were in the studio during the summer, the previous summer. Oh my. Yeah. All, all throughout the fall. Yeah. What? Oh, yeah. wow. So, oh yeah. Oh my God, this is so interesting. Yeah. And it does take time. Um, and, you know, I mean, it took maybe a little bit longer also, you know, the the label and, and Steve Greenberg, who works for the label, um, you know, he was, we were in the process of finding songs and writing songs. So it wasn't like, you know, oh, we have, you know, this huge group of songs and we're ready to go, you know, and the band's all rehearsed. Like, no, none of that was happening. So okay. they, we, they only had a, a chunk of songs and, and the rest of them needed to be written. And they were being written wow. in the studio. Um, so, yeah, I mean, what I remember, um, what sticks in my mind about the sessions um, is building the ping pong table. 
<laughs> because because they were um, kids and possibly easily distracted, um, they they couldn't be in the studio at the same time when they were recording whatever they needed to record. So when when Ike was in there playing the guitar, I would be hanging out with. Taylor and Zach and we would be doing something and that something was usually playing ping pong. Oh my <laughs> That's such a good story. It, it's incredible to think that and it's so true. Of course, like I even do it with my own kids now, like having to distract them from um oh, yeah. you know bothering each other or being silly. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, and, and yeah. you know, there's no, it's not a criticism. It's just a situation of, I think, you know, I think there were 9, 11, and 13. Does that yeah. sound correct? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, that's right. And we talk a lot about one of the unique things about it is in terms of it not being a criticism is that how much they were allowed to continue to be children. Um, yeah. And uh, everyone that worked with them gave them, you know, that allowance as well. And oh, that for understanding, sure. Which is just so lovely to hear. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, uh, you know, there, was, there wasn't anything about it that was bad. Um, it was just, it did take a long time, but it was part of the process of, you know, we have these songs and some of their songs needed to be um, completed or reworked. Um, and then, of course, there's songs that other people wrote, you know. Yeah. So, you know, we needed to find these songs, audition them, listen to them, live with them for a day or two, decide if they're the right songs, have them sing them. Like this whole process was going on and, and it all takes time. So, and that's generally the process of any recording artist? Is that is that right? Well, I mean, you know, it's it's... Hopefully, uh, you know, in a perfect world, like say in a band like Hootie and the Blowfish, mm. that all the songs are written, they know what they're doing. You rehearse yeah. with the band for like a week, and then you go into the studio and cut the whole album in two weeks. Sure, yeah. You know, <laughs> you know and, and I worked with those guys, and um, that's how we did it. Yeah. So, you know, that's, that's a different style of recording. Um, yeah. But this is a situation where it is a band, but it was kind of pieced together more like a solo artist, where each each thing, it's like, oh, I think we need this. Well, let's find that person who plays that instrument, call them up, they come by, they do their thing, and, um, you know, that takes a lot longer than, you know, hey, this person in the band plays that, go. Mm. Yeah. So, you know, obviously... Everyone sees the talent that they have, their kids, but even back then, um, you did get, or there was a call made to get some studio musicians into, and yeah. I wouldn't say record over their tracks or what, like what, what would you? I mean, it was, it was, a, um, it was obviously, a, a, I don't know how you, how you would say it. Um, we didn't want to tell the children that they were being replaced. Yes, because we didn't we didn't want to hurt their feelings, which sounds right. lame now, but no, it that's it's the truth, you know. Mm. Um, so we went through the process of having Zach play drums on on the songs, and then of course we replaced them, you know. Um, and yeah. um, you know, not because he's not a good drummer, he just, you know, 
uh, not experienced enough. I couldn't even hit the drums hard enough to get a good sound, right. etc. Um, and the same goes for you know um, Taylor playing the keys and um, you know and Ike playing the guitar. It's not like they weren't a guitar player or a, or a piano player. They just yeah. couldn't play them well enough at that point in their life. Yeah. You know now they can. You know, and yeah. they're amazing. Yeah. But at that point, so, we had to replace them, and so we had to get various people to come in and do those things. Um, yeah. But and so that was also the part of the reason why it took so long, because it was like, oh, well, if we're going to be replacing a lot of their stuff, they can't be in the studio, they can't be there. So that was part of the reason why you know we sent them over to the other studio to do the vocals. Okay. So did. Did they ever find out? <laughs> like, well, did, or did their course. parents know and break it to them? Of like... course, of course. <laughs> yeah, at some point they found out and they hopefully realized it was just for the best, you know. Um, but, um, but yeah, mm. it, it did happen. Um, and it didn't really happen with their um, knowledge that it was happening. Yeah. Um, but I think... It had to happen. <laughs> yeah, I think it makes sense. I think anything that is a studio recording that people are going to be listening to needs to be of, you know, high yeah. quality. Um, so a name that we were talking about earlier, who, and a name that I haven't come across in my notes is mm -hmm. Nick Vincent. Yes. Um, yeah. He's a friend of yours. So yeah. can you tell me a little bit about Nick and his involvement Um well, I met Nick through a, a mutual friend of ours, Steve Hopkins, and he he came to play on um, an album that I was recording for another artist, and he was great. And so when we were looking for the drummer for Hanson, um, you know, I called a few people, and um, and Nick was one of them. And uh, so he came down to play the first batch of songs. It was three or four songs. Um, one of the songs was Umba, um, and then for some reason he didn't get credited on the album, which is terrible. And I actually I spoke to everyone that I could speak to at the label, and all they said was sorry, but they didn't ever change the credits, which they could have because there was subsequent releases. Um, mm. So I'm just I'm I'm upset with them, um, and I'm also upset for Nick's sake because he was he was quite bummed out. Because it just, it, it was such a big song and a big album. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Because um, you want to be able to say that you were drummer for, for that song. Like, that's, yeah. it's huge. Yeah, yeah, it's exactly. Huge. You know, um, and, and the other drummer, Abe Laborio Jr., um, mm. he was great, you know. Um, and we just hired him because Nick was on tour. So, you know, and he hadn't actually played that many sessions at the time. So um, it was just a, a situation. But he's a fantastic drummer. Um, they're both fantastic drummers. And it's not really about their ability, but just the fact that one of them got credit and one of them didn't. <laughs> it's a bit strange. Yeah. You get, you, you, you know, you get, and like this is, <laughs> I don't know why I'm asking this, but I'm, I'm just thinking about this guy. Do you get paid royalties as a session music? No, you just get paid like the for the shift that you did. Yes, 
Yeah, yeah, you get paid, you know, and it's either normal scale, double scale, or triple scale, and that's it. And those those scales are set by the um, the AFM and. Yeah. yeah, right. So when you said the, for example, the Jackson drummer, he was his triple scale. Yes. On a Sunday, that's what that's yeah. what you meant. Yes, <laughs> yes. It was pricey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so something again, we we've talked about this a little bit. The the trumpet on Where's the Love. Right. Um, I I am so intrigued by this because I I didn't realize there was so much going on in Where's the Love, which I love. So oh, yeah. is it? I, I I've had such a good listen with my headphones. Is it under? Here here's where I think it is. Is it under the vocal? Yeah, for sure. It's just yeah. in the, just in the chorus parts. Yeah. Yeah, I got it. I I can hear, it. and it's almost in line with the yes. voice, right? Yes. Yeah. 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 Okay, it's great. So anyone listening to this pod, um, <laughs> you have to go and find the trumpet. What about the sax then? It's just it, it it just all got tucked in there. I think it was a it was a an idea, something to give the song a little bit more excitement, um, and then we did it it didn't really do all that much, I think. And so, um, you know, and, and then it got, well, the guy that mixed the song, we, we have a long history, <laughs> but, but anyway, with, with him, it's either, it's either in or it's out. Like there's no mm. subtlety. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I think we, we got basically turned down to the lowest part, which is fine. It's perfectly fine. But yes. I, I can hear it. I, I get it. Overall, what do you think of that song, Where's the Love? And have you ever had a chance to see it live? I, you know, I don't know. I don't think so. I mean, I've seen them because um, they would come through Los Angeles and play different gigs and this and that. And I went to see them and they're fantastic. But they didn't play too much of the old stuff. You know, just a couple of tunes and, um, you know, that was mostly for the fans that were there. For themselves, they were all about the new things, which is really how all artists are. You know, it's mm -hmm. like, oh, yeah, I wrote that X number of years ago, but I just wrote this thing about this. It's really awesome. You know. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And we talk a lot, too, as fans that it's really important for them to promote obviously whatever they've got going on if they've got a new album coming out but right. then they need to toggle this line of <clears throat> people that come to the shows that are only coming to the shows for middle right. of nowhere you know right. the nostalgia factor so yeah. they're sort of always trying to balance out set lists and and right. uh sing to the crowd that's a mix you know it's a yeah. it's a real mixed crowd oh for sure <laughs> Well, I mean, there's such great musicians now, um, you know, they can play all kinds of stuff. I think um, when you're just learning the instrument, you end up playing um, the parts that you can play, Yeah. you know, um, which is good, actually. In a, a lot of people get, um, uh, guitar players especially, they, they play too much. Um, so it's good to um, break things down to their essence, um, and that's what they were doing. I mean, none of the parts are hard to play, yeah. but they're, um, 
you know, they're well played, and, you know, and that was why we had to replace some of them, because they just weren't played well enough. Yeah. But the parts themselves were great, and the parts were played by them. Yeah, that's right. I think, you know, and again in the fandom we talk so often about how underrated they are as musicians, you know. Oh, yeah. Um, I just think that they're they're so talented and even back then so talented and and I hope one day that they sort of I mean it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't matter but I just wish that people would understand you know the depth of talent that, right. that they've got. Yeah, no no, it, they definitely have lots of talent and um you know, it's a it's a shame that you know coming out when they did they just got lumped into this category of you know, people thought it was a manufactured band. They didn't even know it was a real, you know, they got lumped in with like Sync and like 98 mm. Degrees or something, you know, like Boys to Men or something, you know. And uh, they weren't that kind of band at all, you know. Yeah. And, and also I think, um, I mean, the fact that they were, you know, it was, it was a family, they all got along. Um, there was a, a religious undertone to their thing, you know, they were... Um, fundamentalist uh, Christians, etc. So um, I think that that mm. that that somehow didn't help them. Yes. Yeah. So, sorry <laughs> to say, like you know, in other words, they weren't rock stars, <laughs> you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you're coming out of an era of Kurt Cobain's or you know, right. Marilyn Manson's or you know that yeah. very grunge in, in where I am uh, like Silverchair. You know that right. sort of um, that sort of thing, and sure. they sort of look the part vaguely, like they're very young, but yeah. they don't actually—they're not the part. Yeah, so, oh no, not yeah. at all. <laughs> they didn't didn't seem to fit. So, and I think that that still rings true today, and speaks to even as a society how we ha struggle when things don't fit into a box. Yeah, um, and even they sure. split with their label. Um, when there was that, I can't remember who it was, the, the merger, it was like Mercury and someone merged. Oh, and right. They ended up having to leave the label because they just didn't fit anymore. And, right. and I think that that's something that sort of followed them throughout right. their career. They just don't seem to fit, which is a great thing. But right. um, it's, it's I, like you said, I don't think it's done them any favors if they haven't categorized themselves. Right. <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, I just think that the the world wasn't ready for that type of a band at that moment, you know. Yeah. And then they got sort of lumped into a category incorrectly that they weren't part of. And so that just didn't help them in the future when they came out with other albums with great songs. Um, yeah. People were kind of like, oh, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Which is a shame. It really is because they're a fantastic band. Yeah, I agree. Well, Doug, I'm going to finish it up and let you finish your rosé <laughs> um but thank you so much for oh, you're welcome on. yeah I appreciate it so much um so people uh where can they stop in at your wine store oh it's you're in that way it's in santa barbara on state street 4177 state street um so yeah they can stop in and buy some locally made wine they, and you know, you know us Hanson fans. <laughs> Anyone to do with the band, they will be there in droves. Go and buy all your wine, people, from Doug. Fill up. 
thank you so thank much. You. I really appreciate it. It's um, been very nice. Yeah, I hope to talk to you again soon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anytime. Bye. Hello and welcome to the Hanson Hour podcast where we spend an hour or thereabouts deep diving into the band Hanson. I'm your host Megan and you can join in with me and a special guest each week as we talk about a range of Hanson related topics. I'm so excited that you are here to join in on this so grab a cuppa or a glass of red and settle in for an hour of fun, it's guaranteed to make you smile.